guys, uh, welcome back to RPG Unlimited. My name is Emirate, and this is a podcast about tabletop gaming and roleplay. We will be interviewing game artists, uh, GMs, players, and more here uh, for the unique views and processes when they're working within the tabletop community far as content, characters, and all that. Uh, today we are talking with Scraticus, who is one of the heads of the Scraticus Academy, a community focused on creating an open and inviting space online for new players and GMs, and introducing people to RPG systems that maybe they haven't played yet. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at twitter.com slash scraticus underscore, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash scraticus, as well as you can support them on Patreon at patreon.com slash scraticus. There's a theme here. So, hello, Scrat. How are you doing today? <laughs> I am doing fantastic. Thank you. It's good to hear. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so I'm Scraticus. Uh, I run the Scraticus Academy. Um, we have been playing RPGs on twitch.tv slash Scraticus for maybe two years now, maybe more. Um, we went full-time September last year, and now we're at a point where we're introducing 8 to 16 new people to D&D a week. Oh, well, the opportunity to do so anyway. You know, some people, some people, even experienced people like to come and get in on the new game sometimes. And uh, once a month we do Academy Days where we bring four new DMs in to uh, come and have a go at DMing on stream. So, yeah, it's really exciting. We're doing lots of things and it's cool. It sounds really, really neat. I know um, I've had a bit of experience there and it's probably about one of the warmest communities I've found because... It, you, you guys have done great there with what you've done. Um, Thank you. So, uh, so you said roughly two years. Were you doing any sort of content creation prior to that? Um, yes. Um, I used to do. Uh, I started off doing like video games and stuff. Um, I used to play video games as a hobby. I, I recently got back into playing Oblivion again and uh, streaming those on Sundays and Tuesday. Um, but, um, I used to stream it, um, but it wasn't really like a, a thing. It was just, Hey, I'm playing video games. So I might as well, you know, turn on a chat and see if anyone wants to chat while I'm doing it sort of thing. And, um, yeah, uh, then I got into the TTRPG scene, um, thanks to Encounter Roleplay. Uh, I got in one of their viewer games and then I got in another one. And then another one. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. The spaces between these are a bit too long. I need to, maybe I should start running a game on my channel. So I started running a game on my channel. And then another game. And then another game. And then before you knew it, I was doing something like crazy, like 50 hours of engineering a week and then 50 hours of tabletop gaming a week. Oh, dear. That sounds so familiar right now. <laughs> yeah. I might be looking yeah. at my own future. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. Where did you get the idea to create the Academy? Is that something that just kind of evolved with your evolution in, I'm going to start a game and then just kind of adding games in? Or was there more thought to it? Um, I Okay, so the Academy, um, originally it was just me playing with some friends. We The, the first campaign we played was with um, 
three people that we'd known from um, MMOs in the past. Um, I played SWOTOR for something like six years while it was big, and um, I was, you know, guild healer, guild master at one point, all that sort of stuff. I loved the guild feel of it. So we grabbed some guildies. We started playing a campaign together. Um, some guildies and our artist now, actually, Ambly, uh, who we'd met through playing Overwatch randomly. Um, and then I wanted to play more games, uh, but I didn't have people. So I just, I think at one point I literally, uh, literally entered, uh, literally put in chat, Hey, does anyone want to come and play and just grab people out of chat and started playing like that. Um, yeah, I, I literally did that. And, um, from there, I was just like, well, this is an easy way to get people to come and play. And then I would week on week, um, week on week, just create four or five games a week out of nothing. No campaigns, just running one shots. I just ran one shots all the time. That's really cool. Um, I've never done a one shot as a DM. I gotta admit, it's, it's kind of a daunting thing because up until i'd started playing online i'd never experienced a one shot i'd always been really long really committed campaigns so yeah no i i'm the complete opposite i love running one shots i love running one shots so much i um I yeah I, I literally I've built systems around one shots I can I've, I I think there's something nice about having just like a small amount of content that you can just uh, you know just twist out in one session I'm Alice is the planner if you want big plans um <laughs> so I did this thing I've got people in chat right uh huh yeah. I hit start recording, not start streaming. <laughs> <laughs> I was like looking at it like, I'm still seeing hosting. I'm waiting for the raid. <laughs> uh, one second, guys. I got to handle a couple of things, but real quick, an explanation. So I fully believed I was live. I had hit start recording. So that's why I'd been in chat responding to you guys <laughs> like I would if I was live. I apologize. I will handle this one thing real quick. Um, we're just going to go forward from where we're at bar as questions and stuff. You guys will get the whole thing <laughs> on YouTube when I do that. So one second, guys. <laughs> Oh, hi, chat. How are we doing? <laughs> the uh, pro streamers. Pro streamers are everywhere. I think that is the uh, the only applicable thing, right? Like, just pro streamers. I keep losing my chat box. There you go. I was so confused. Uh, Scrat, did you nap well? I, you know, I did things. I did things. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys didn't clip that please for the love of god do that <laughs> the harder i fail the more clips i want seriously <laughs> see this is the thing i thought because i was looking at the channel and i thought it's happened to me a few times where i've gone live and it just hasn't unhosted i've had to manually unhost i thought maybe that was it i was like hey yeah i i thought that too and then i looked and i was like why does it say stop recording i'm streaming no! <laughs> I'm not! <laughs> so. Oh, okay. 
so uh, we did just go over uh, content creating, how you got into that, and how you got into creating the Scraticus Academy. I'll make sure you guys do get that. That will be on the YouTube and on the Anchor one. I am sorry you guys missed the first couple of questions. <laughs> but we're going to kind of move forward like this never happened. Totally. Right. Do it live. Do it live. <laughs> Dignity at all times. Yes. Yep. Um, so... Uh, just just from observing, I've noticed you take a lot of joy in introducing new players to tabletop gaming. What was your exper first experience with that like? Um, so, like I said, when I got into this, I got uh, I got involved in an kind of role play viewer game um, where they. Um, where they would invite people to come and play with the Encounter Roleplay team. And I thought it was really cool. I was a big fan of um, the Long March at the time, um, which Josh was running. Tool School was in there, Tia, and, uh, and um, you know, Will, and uh, I'm trying to remember who the fourth was now. Uh, it doesn't matter. But it was, uh, it was a really great campaign, and um, I wanted to come and play along. And uh, so, like, the format is really an old thing. It's, uh, I think they still do their viewer games on Thursdays. Um, and... Um, I just took that forward, you know. I I really I get really excited by new things, you know. I like I like figuring out the quirks of a thing. Maybe it's something to do with engineer brain. I don't know. But like when I when I feel like I know something really well, it's like almost not like, not as less exciting because I know like I know there's different DM styles and people who really know and can predict their players. They can like do these epic storylines, but I can't plan for anything. So I much prefer doing things on the fly and um just being surprised by my players and having to react i love that scramble you know i love the scramble of oh god they're doing that okay well um let's go this way <laughs> yeah i uh i haven't gotten a chance to play yet i think i might have a game lined up there but i'm not entirely sure other people could confirm that a little bit better because i'm a little confused what channel my newest thing's gonna be on um, but yeah, um, what has been your favorite system to play in today and why, and what sets it apart from all the other systems for you? Okay. So my answer is not 5e. Um, I'd be interested to know how many people do answer 5e. My answer will be, um, Ryutama. Ryutama is by far my favorite system. And it's all because of the fighting system. Okay, the other bits are good. I like all the other mechanics, but the fighting system is amazing. I I I, I loved Final Fantasy VII growing up, and as soon as you like get into like uh, Ryutama, you're in Final Fantasy VII mode. You know, you've got a front row, a back row. You've got enemies who've got a front row and a back row. You've got moves that you can do. It's really easy to manipulate as a DM. It's really easy to understand as a player. Oh, it's so much fun. Um, we played a, a season, maybe back even in season one, it might have been September to December, which Little Cup of Joe ran. Uh, and um, I just had so much fun with that system. So much fun. Um, and it's mostly because of the fight system, just the way it feels. It makes me feel like I'm playing a video game, you know? I see Michael Wayne no uh, noting that you did a sliders game. I missed the sliders thing. <laughs> the sliders game. Uh, mm. In Ryotama? Possibly. Yeah, I, I, I went on a really experimental oh, Ryotama campaign. 
randomly. Yes, okay. there we go. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a really experimental thing with Ryutama because Ryutama is described as um, uh, the creator's Oregon Trail game, you know, where you go through, it's a Western setting and you have some fun and all that sort of thing. And I thought, well, it could be that, but what if? We put people in the Apollo 13 as it crashes back to Earth or the, you know, somewhere else and, and turned it into this action thing. And it was, it was super, super fun. Sound a lot. Mackenzie was like... in that as well. I, I see Mackenzie in chat. She was in one of those. So was Tater. Uh, we did Point Break. We did, um, you know, Maverick, all of those games. Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the biggest flaw in that system? Uh, good question. Um, probably, I see that's a difficult question for me to answer because I don't really read rules. I just pick up the bits that I like, and then if something doesn't make sense, I'll just make it up. So, um, I guess I think canonically you're only supposed to play one dragon and you're supposed to discuss with your character with your players or oh, which dragon do you want me to be but I thought well why stick to one I could be all of them um which I did um so very much a rules were rules are made to be broken yeah oh yeah R rules the only games that I will read all of the rules, and this is true, okay, because I love I love beautiful rule books, okay? I've got the City of Mist Core book. It's a fantastic book. It's like 500 pages with beautiful artwork and beautiful comics. I've read about four pages trying to understand the rules. Because the pages, that, if you want me to read a whole thing, a one-page RPG is perfect because everything's there. You can just read it and done. I'm, I'm not a big reader. I definitely don't learn through reading. Um, which I think might even frustrate some of our like seasoned players as well, because they'll send me these long backstories and I'll sort of skim read and be like, okay, tell me about it. You know, <laughs> like I, I definitely learn through uh, conversation. So, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that uh, learn that way. And that's uh, an interesting point that I actually had brought up earlier with a thread I brought up on Twitter was that a lot of people are moving away from reading the books and are consuming learning the rules and stuff through other media and how streaming and podcasts and all that have really can't come into play with that so. mm -hmm. yeah definitely true i used youtube videos to learn um the force and destiny system uh, when we were playing um star wars uh last season unfortunately that one got pulled because um because i was using a lot stuff. of a lot of copyright characters and yeah they said no i was like okay fair enough <laughs> yeah no that you got a response, which is awesome because a lot of people don't. That's one of the things. Like people will complain so much about Star Wars and Lucas Company and Disney about how they are with their copyrights, how they're so tight and stringent. But you know, that's a great thing when it means that they are super responsive to people asking questions about using those properties. You know, mm -hmm. it the fact that they are responsive it keeps people out of trouble because that it. You don't want to play in the gray area if yeah, you can avoid definitely it. definitely not. And a lot definitely. of people do because they don't get those responses, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> See, in chat, it turns on my light saw to make saw sounds. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, copyright. Yeah, we avoided the copyright there. Got it. Nailed it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, how did you get into tabletop or playing games to begin with? 
so um, it was uh, maybe a hobby of my older brother's originally. Um, he uh, introduced me to Hero Quest at a very young age. Um, if you're not familiar with Hero Trash, it's one. Of, it's one of them. Um, it was they were they were known as Ameritrash games at the time. I don't know if they still are, but they were just like they were almost hordes of games that were different roleplay games, not D and D, but just like compressed into like this is what this is sort of thing. And um, I started off playing Hero Quest, which was one of the better ones of those. Uh, and, um, you know, it was one of them things where my brother was going to university, so we wouldn't get to play much, and uh, I would end up not... I was kind of starved of it, and I wanted more, um, so I would start trying to play it myself, and then I got into Baldur's Gate and played Baldur's Gate, and then at uni I tried running a D&D campaign. I picked up a starter set. I think it was in 2E or something. There was FACO involved. It did not go well. I couldn't get any of my friends into it. Um, then in engineering, I picked up a copy of 5e and tried running an IRL campaign of 5e, but, um, the problem with running a campaigns for a, a team of engineers is you can't put any problems in front of them because they're just like, aha, uh -huh, a three hour encounter done. Yeah. It's definitely one of those <laughs> things, you know, even with people who don't do really quick problem solving, you can't really be constant okay, here's a problem to deal with. Um, and it's taken me a little bit of time to see that too. It took me a bit of playing to discover, hey, I want a lot more role play than just hack and slash. If I wanted hack and slash, I'd play a video game and get my hack and slash in. You know, there's some people who really enjoy that and that's awesome for them. But, you know, and as a, as a, as a, I'm finding as a GM, it's really important to know about your players on that end too. And a lot of people don't. Um, I'm finding with my campaign, I still need to work out the math because things, I don't know if it's just because I'm DM and I'm watching them seemingly wipe my stuff and it's harder than it seems, or if they're like actually wiping stuff as far as encounters go, you know, hugging I beholders mean, and things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm always very happy to put, like, my encounters on a slider as well, you know, like, if I think something's going down too easy, I'll double its HP and give it reaction attacks to whenever something, someone does anything, you know, just to, for a little bit. You know, like um, like, like Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII has affected me far more than I give it credit for. You know, the very first boss where, like, when you feel like you're beating it, suddenly the tail comes up and then it just hits everyone every time anyone does anything? Yeah, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> So, dirty little secret, I've never actually played Final Fantasy VII. I've watched people play it bits and pieces, um, largely the people I've been in relationships with who don't put it down. So, like, I wake up, they're playing it. I go to bed, they're playing it. I miss large amounts of what's going on. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. Pixie talks about a thing she knows little about. <laughs> Fair, fair, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome. What I what I have seen is awesome. Um, I've seen the saddest part. Yeah. And I think that might be why I haven't touched it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Being aware. Big as well. Yeah, that was like that was like my first probably encounter with death as a kid. It was, yeah, it's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, do you remember what your first character was like? No. Oh, um. Hmm. I, well, in Hero Quest, I do. Um, Valak, the dim but mighty, the barbarian. 
um, who would run at things and smash them. And that was his go-to way of solving problems uh, because I was like seven. Um, and yeah, they were pretty cool. Um, getting older, my first characters were probably um, a character called Guzgird uh, that we saw last season in Dragon Age. Um, he's kind of dated a bit now. He doesn't really work so well, but um, he was a Dragon Age character that I created and then ported across to D&D and other systems because of how damn cool he was. Um, like, that was a game that me and Alice really bonded over uh, when we were like forming our relationship was Dragon Age Origins. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just surprised at the crazy things this character could do. Like, I remember fighting, fighting a dragon and the whole rest of the party got wiped out in one hit. But... Um, I managed to fight the thing for like six hours, like the two of us sitting there the whole time, like what is happening? And, um, you know, he soloed it. Like, and I was like, well, I have to make a character. This will be the one, you know. <laughs> it's been one of the interesting conversations I've seen come up. And I found that I only know a handful of people that can actually count themselves as people who have been playing D&D for like some of them practically their whole lives. And, like, I know with people I've personally played with, like, IRL, with those specific people, I can say, yes, we fought a dragon. I didn't realize how rare that was to actually have happen. And I'm wondering, if we talk about it enough, are more people going to start actually throwing dragons in to this game for people who really like playing Dungeons & Dragons? You know, it's, it is kind, it is pretty darn funny that that doesn't yeah. happen and it's like what about other games like you can pull stuff and it's 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 part of the reason why i do want to start getting other systems to play in because i want to start pulling stuff from other systems together to do crazy crazy things you know especially seeing yeah. crazy things done other places like uh well like the final fantasy 7 style game you guys did for one of the academy days like boy that was loads of fun so, yeah, um, yeah, it's and that's the fun of it as well, pulling different things in and different different mythologies, different concepts of things as well. Like the D and D dragon is very Western dragon, you know, big wings, Welsh style dragon. Yeah, uh, going to Ryutama and seeing a more Eastern style of dragon, where the, the dragon is can be people and yeah, it's similar but really different. You know, it's it's really cool. So one of the interesting things I did, I was doing a lore dig the other day. Bronze dragons, polymorph, you rarely see them in dragon form. I think there could be an argument that more people have encountered a dragon and never knew it mm-hmm. in-game. So. Yeah. It's interesting as well that even the D&D books don't feature dragons that much. Most yeah. of them have, like, liches on the cover, you know? Yeah, yeah, liches or beholders or... Uh-huh. Yeah, just about anything and everything but... Um, I think the one that definitely has it, though, is Rise of Tiamat. Probably should. It better. Yeah, it should do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's about the, basically the fight between Bahamut and Tiamat. You, you better have a dragon. <laughs> one would hope. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the same thing as well, like um, the confusion about Waterdeep having dragons as a currency. Um, I know several people who, when Dragon Heist came out, they thought it was about stealing dragons. Oh, No, it's stealing dragons as in... Gold. Gold. 
Yeah. I mean, they could have made about stealing dragons. How many people would love that campaign where your job is to go out and steal a dragon? It'd be amazing. It, Honestly, like, that's would. a campaign way to be written. It would. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing there. <laughs> um, what is, looking back, something that you would change about that character now if you were to play them? Oh, they, you know, uh, like I said, they were, they were a video game character that could solo things and they were really strong. And um, I literally tried playing them in a season last season and it just doesn't work. You know, they're not, the role play doesn't work so well. They're kind of uh, uh, belligerent and clumsy with their role play because they're just used to hitting things. So um, it's not that I'd necessarily change them because I think, you know, they're, they're just a little dated, you know, they were good for their time. But um, now when I'm making characters, I try and give them more emotional and um, emotional and intellectual impetus rather than I can hit things, I'm good at hitting things. I'm reasonably secure in my own mind. <laughs> I'm the perfect hero. You know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think that's something that a lot of people, when you first start playing role-playing games, it's so easy to fall into that. I'm definitely playing a hero because I want to do the cool hero things. And there's a progression, it seems, from being the hero to someday, if you're not DMing, you definitely end up playing a character a lot of times that is either a hard heel or it was just evil and against the party from the get-go and just using everyone. Um, I've seen that happen. And it's it's interesting because I feel like it says a lot about our journey as people and exploring um, mm -hmm. to go from one extreme to the other. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's a whole thing. And like, as I see someone in chat mentioning as well, like, um, I now make characters which are much, much more emotional and end up exploring aspects of myself through them as well, which is, I mean, you got to have the right group to do it. And oh, yeah. boy, is the tool group a good group to do it. It's really uh, eye-opening. Um, I mean, I know, I know one of my um, one of my Patreon writers as well is studying D and D as a therapy. Um, method for people who who need therapy um mm -hmm. like myself nothing nothing to be ashamed of there folks um and um yeah i think that's that's really where the where you can get some really interesting storylines and get some really emotive gameplay is figuring out the things that really affect you and trying to play them in game yeah well and i can say i've i've seen that too um how I initially got into the online tabletop community was through searching for uh, for therapy, um, even though I wasn't initially aware that I was. It, it was straight up escape, escapism. It was as many games as I could to fill my day every day of the week until I could deal with what was going on. So... Not the healthiest thing, I will admit, and I would not advise other people do it, but definitely one or two games can definitely, can help. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the same as video gaming, right? It's escapism at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you know? We, we've, most of us in this industry, most of us who are in the Twitch industry even and play video games and stuff, most of us are escaping, you know? It's, 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 it's all the time. Yeah. Um, 
is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, what has been your favorite part of the process with coming up with Games for the Academy? Uh, you you asked me this as I'm in the middle of um, putting together season four. And uh, it, it, it's, it's meant to be while you're in the process. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. But where the hell does time go? Time just disappears, you know? Um, I started sorting this all out right at the beginning of this season, and now we've got one month until the season begins, and how did that happen? How did that happen? I, um... Well, I think part of that is season length and when you started your first season. True. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's the practical end. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, yeah. Uh, But it's... um, What's my favorite part? Uh, My favorite part, I guess, is um, seeing how it all goes together because I put a lot of thought into um, who would be good in the groups, whose DM style would match these players, which players would play well off each other. And it doesn't always work. I've had two or three games that we've ended up, you know, just pulling because it just doesn't quite work. Um, but nine times, that's pretty good, really, for the amount of games I, I've run. I must have put together over 100 uh, games by now. And, you know, it seeing it all come together and seeing people bounce off each other and us telling these amazing stories, that's easily the best bit. I'm Like I say, I'm not a planner. I, I don't do planning. And season prep is definitely planning and... I yeah. It it's it kinda reminds me it's a horrible analogy of the old dating games, only instead of matching people for dating, it's matching people for playing these things together. So it yeah, takes I, a certain skill. It takes you know, it, it takes something. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm pretty good at putting people together. It's just the actual planning bit and deadlines and project management, which was actually my job for a long time, so I should be better at it, but I'm not. Um, or maybe I just overwork myself, who knows? Um, uh, some say, you know. I was going to say, g- given <laughs> most of the community's awareness on your sleep patterns, I think everyone would say, uh... It is yeah. astounding, the amount of people who tell me to go to bed. Astounding. It's, it's, it's... I should start recording it and see if we can get some sort of high score. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what's community for? <laughs> so. Yeah, no, but they really are caring and protective. And um, I kind of apologize to them for sometimes ignoring them. Um, but, you know, I do what I do. I do what I do. Okay. Um... You run the Academy alongside your partner, Alice Cleaver. What has been the best part about working side by side with her on this stuff? Um, well, um, we were married about the time that we started streaming. We moved into our own place together and we managed to get together all of the uh, computer equipment and everything. And well, I already had computer equipment because I was always a gamer. Um, you know, I was always always trying to get the, the latest and greatest computer systems just to keep up with the latest games. Um, and we really enjoyed playing video games together all the time. And we used to play D&D together all the time as well. It's um, just getting to spend time with her, I think, is is the best thing about it. Because often 
uh, often as an engineer, you end up going to an office there or worse, traveling north, traveling abroad and go whole days, you know, and it's just nice having her there, you know, right, right there and working together on things. You know, she can talk to me about her campaigns, which she plans to the nth degree mm -hmm. in whole booklets. And then I can say, Hey, I've got a game in five minutes. Do you think this is a good idea? You know, and she'll either say no, come up with something else or yeah, go for it. You know, it's, it's just really nice being able to work closely with my wife and yeah, she's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Um, it's yeah, really definitely cool. the closeness. You yeah. know? I've got to say that's one of the things I've always found really interesting is the huge contrast between your guys' uh, GMing style as far as, oh, hey, plan everything and plan nothing. You know, that's that's always been an interesting thing, especially when you guys are in each other's games. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Alice is by far one of the best GMs for me. Honestly, she is. I mean, how could she not be? Um, if if you, she, I don't know how she enables my chaos, but she does. She enables me to be the most chaotic gremlin I've ever been able to play. Um, you remember Argo Thirty Seven? I've seen uh, V I was going to say you're not talking about Blister now, are you? <laughs> Who me? <laughs> um, although I'm sure I've been even more chaotic than that at times. Like but she just enables it and just rolls with it and still manages to get me to hit these major plot points like without really any effort, it seems. Yeah. And um, she's really amazing at that as well. Really amazing at constructing plot points and constructing worlds and things. It's one of the reasons we gave her a long-term campaign. Doors of Daenerys will go on as long as it's got life because – Alice is just fantastic at producing things like that. And then there's me, who's like nine episodes into a series playing the Mask System by Magpie Games. And I still don't know how to play the Mask System by Magpie Games. I haven't got a clue. Um, <laughs> but you knew it. <laughs> but we're doing the thing, you know? <laughs> like, I'm just hoping my players understand enough of the rules for us to get through. And it seems to be working. Um. I think it was kind of similar with Conan with the sorcery stuff. There's like, like the, all right, we're doing this game. We know most of it. And then there's this sudden, what about this thing here? <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was it. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, we're not sure how this works. So we're just going to say we're doing this. This is how this is going to work till we figure it out. And I kind of liked what we had came up with more than what was in the books. <laughs> And there was like whole, whole like, I found like Google Docs and everything and, and like communities just talking about how the sorcery works. And I was like, this is a separate game. Let's just make something up. Let's make something fun up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, she's, uh, she's running three games next season. I'm only running two. Because uh, we've got so many new DMs and things now that want to come and play, that um, it's not that we're taking a step back because I'm still in something like stupid like ten or twelve games, mm -hmm. uh, and she's still in four or five tops, I think, you know, total. So player and DM, but um, we've definitely, you know, sort of like running a little bit less. Yeah. Um, so I'll be running, I know I'll be running a viewer game and then a game which is looking to be a bit controversial, which will be interesting. 
Yeah. Um, plays with agency in funny ways. So we'll see how that goes. It might be a one season thing. It might be more. It'd be it's fun. always fun to play with new things. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, even when it's existing mechanics and changing up how they work. And it's like, all right, maybe this other thing could work better. Let's see how this works. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, for a while, uh, I used to run a thing that I affectionately referred to as the chaos system, where I just took mechanics that I liked from random different games and just smushed them all together. Um, so you'd have like the fighting system from Ryutama, the uh, the dice system from, I don't know, uh, Monster of the Week or something like that, and uh, just smash it all together. Initiative from D&D. &D. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We've got questions happening in chat. So we will be getting to uh, questions later on. I am grabbing them as they come in, just so that everyone is aware. If you didn't catch that earlier, uh, where are my timeways? We could time wise. Um, um, out of all of the games that you have run on your channel, which one has been your favorite? Clarification, when you say run, do you mean that I've run DM'd or just produced? I think with this one we're going with DM'd. I believe I... We'll go with DM'd and then we'll go with run. How about Great. that? With produced. Sure, sure thing. So um, DM'd, it's got to be the... Uh, it's got to be the... Um, uh, the Ryutama game I ran last season where we did the Quantum Leap thing because it just enabled me to do so much crazy stuff. Like, just, just the idea of having a, a, any system where you get two new viewers every week and you can just poof the two regular players to another place in time and actually the viewers who are joining know more about this place in time than you do. Good luck. You know, that's that was just wonderful. Um, and I may have to revisit it in the future in some different format, maybe. Um, uh, yeah, that's definitely by far my most fun game run. Uh, we really, really managed to evoke some emotions there. Uh, the two regular players were Talinia and Smallish Sam, and uh, they were absolutely fantastic. That absolutely seems, fantastic. That seems like a really great way to run it when you're regularly bringing in new players, though, because that's something that can be difficult to do is making them really feel like they're tied in by giving them a role where they know more about the world and the time at that point that that gets them a little bit more power that lets them really feel hey i'm really here even if it's just for this short amount of time i'm really here and i'm making an impact so, yeah and i think that can uh, be one of the big things yeah and that's something that i really try and do a lot as well like with the riders on the storm campaign that we're running at the minute um, I try and talk to people and see what how they would feel about because you know, it deals with devils and all that sort of thing. How they would feel about doing a deal with the devil, you know, and how they would feel about all these different things, and try and get an insight into their character. Um, if, if if people send me like a, a whole bunch of like stat blocks and stuff, you know, here's my character sheet. I honestly don't even read it. You could literally come into one of my games with all of your stats reading twenty, and I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, I just I just want I just want to know what your emotions are. So I play with them <laughs> yeah yeah i i think i i think i've seen that a few times and without knowing how people constructs characters that's a pretty powerful way to handle things because you have people who will do the min max thing and other people who will just 
throw random stuff together and other people that will roll dice for the entire creation process start to finish down every detail you know that's yeah. a way to really level the playing field though because it removes the fate of the dice so to speak from what a player is capable of achieving yeah and it encourages the role play as well like we just had the most wholesome episode of riders i think mackenzie would agree still managed to drop a bomb apparently um but they just literally sat by a campfire for three hours and chatted to each other and shouted at each other like a family does and it was great you know? <laughs> sounds great <laughs> yeah um where was that i lost track of my thing <laughs> what are question the outlines for anyways they throw us off Oh, you want to know which one my favorite one that I'd run, right? The film yeah, produced. Yeah, um, yeah. Eden. <laughs> Alice's Eden game. Um, I've, I've sort of crippled myself because uh, there's a spoiler. Spoilers, spoilers. Um, I, 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 I ended up rocking up in last session as Blister because a big tie into Argo 37. Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of rude. Just, but it's kind of like also ruined it for me as well because Eden was the game where I would just sit and watch Alice manipulate four or five people whilst drinking a beer. And that was great. You know, once a week, it was, it was absolutely fantastic because Alice is in her element, that group is in their element. And uh, I, I try not to do any work during that show because it's just too good. You know, I have to sit and watch. And now Blister's there. I mean, yeah. to be fair, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Blister drinks fairly regularly anyways. True. So. True. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. <laughs> Excuse me. We're going to take a quick break, guys. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hi to the... Welcome to the disaster edition of RPG Unlimited <laughs> podcast. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> you got two gems of jokes in there. Two gems. All nice. right. All right. Let's hope it ca they came in fairly clear because if I uh, if I have my sound set the way I did, that may not have been the most audible stuff either. <laughs> okay. I think people were laughing, so I, I think they could hear. <laughs> well, I think so. It looks like it. Okay. Yeah. Oh. It's all good. I should I, I should have done I should have done the hair because that's how my head feels like it's just on fire. We're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> um so we had just talked about your favorite game both as a producer and as just on your channel UGMing. Mm -hmm. Um I know there was more to that. Give me a second, figure out because I'm lost now. There we go. Which one do you feel you could play a lot more? You, you, you answered which one do you enjoy watching the most. What comes after that, though, since Blister is now in Eden? You can't watch it the same way, right? Or I can can't. you? Uh, well, no, no I, I don't tend to watch things back. I just don't have the time. Um, that's true of everything. I, I support a lot of my friends through lurking, but usually if I'm sitting in your channel, I'm probably working on six things at once. And I, I, I keep lists, you know, even, even now I'm, I'm away on holiday. I've brought my list of tasks to achieve this weekend with me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of them things, I suppose, when you're self-employed, you just, you just 
there's stuff to do and no one else is going to do it so you got to get on with it yeah um yeah uh, and um so no, i couldn't watch back but there's currently no plans for uh eden free or 3d 3n as people are affectionately coining it um so i guess at the end of this season i'll just have to find another game oh okay <laughs> that makes sense 3d 3n still spells eden it's just in late <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like, but it was because, like, people, it came from a conversation where people were basically saying that every sequel should do the too fast, too furious thing. Like, you know, and then it was, and then it just worked into 3D, 3N, you know, like, you know, it just works. Like. Well, then, retro retroactively, what is the second season of Eden then? Uh, well, I mean, I guess it should be 2D, 2N, but it's it's not. It's just Return to Eden. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we should maybe we should have been more thoughtful on that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So far as returning to as playing, do you have any in that end? Oh, playing. Um. Well, uh, Argo 37 was one of my favorite games. I'd love to return to that at some point. Um, uh, mostly because um, that was me and V in chat being a regular player under Alice. And it was just like the perfect like power triangle of people to bring in new players. I felt like every week we gave them a good, uh, a good game. I was allowed to be chaotic. V was keeping me straight. Alice was mind-bending both of our minds. Like, literally, we would just come away from that game screaming um, because of the things that she'd pull on us. It's, 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 it's the only time I've been successfully railroaded that I liked it um, because she. Uh, we had this whole thing where we saw a glimpse into the future, episodes back, and we'd said, well, we would never do that, so we know that's not us. And then four episodes later, we find ourselves doing the things that we said we would never do because <laughs> it just made so much sense. You know, like, it, and I, I remember just sitting there going, I've been conditioned. I've been brainwashed. You know? <laughs> like, and it, it was totally incredible. Totally incredible. I could play Argo 37 again, definitely. Ah, I loved, I loved Argo. The one episode, like, I want to play more. I want to play more. I that, that, that was a tease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It was a really good like viewer game for that as well for giving people that that taste and wanting more. It was it was fantastic. Yeah. 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 Oh. I still have my <laughs> character on backup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well uh I mean, it's kind of carried on through Eden. It has a little bit, you know. Um, not the Blister Alara thing, but um, the Eden feeds into... There's, there's a link there now. With Alice has gone for the um, MCU-style yeah. crossover, and it's worked, so... Well, and that that's one of the things I remember, is there being a setup for there to be multiple universes with Argo, with how stuff was usually wrapped up with new players. It's like, it'd be hard to manage, but it would be cool to see, like, proce procedurally going through each of these little, I don't know, side quests? 
I don't know if I want to call them side quests, but hey, what happened after this? You know, that'd be that'd be interesting for people that are able to do that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, what tools do you use to help you manage the games that you run on your channel? Uh, mostly safety tools. Mostly safety tools. We use a variation of the uh, of the flower system, which I know you're familiar with. X for no, we don't like that. N for okay, it can happen, but I don't want to look at it. O for I'm okay, please keep hurting me. Yeah. Um, and uh, we also have a check-in as well, so people have a card they can play in the Zoom chat behind the scenes and say, hey, is everyone okay with this? Is it okay? Is it okay? Like DM players, whoever, you know, is, is, is it okay? Um, uh, in chat, we have a system as well. We have a sort of open door policy. Uh, we have a command that we use every now and again, which is a very similar thing. It's just a check-in card. Hey, is everyone okay? Remember, it's okay to take a break. If this is too much, you can come back to it. There's bobs. You know, you've, yeah. you've been here, you've viewed, you've retweeted. We appreciate you, but don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than that, do I have any coping mechanisms and tools to actually help me organize and run things? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I make lists. I make lists on a random sheet of paper. That's a tool that I use. And I've just recently started uh, getting editors to come and help um, run things. Um, so for example, um, I, I managed to get a nap in during the Genera rerun. I hope the Genera rerun went well, because um, I managed to get some sleep, which I hope the community's happy about. <laughs> I, I would think, I think, yeah. 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 <laughs> there, there's an awareness of sleep, and so, the sleep happening it, it, it is it is the it is some of the very best news <laughs> um how yeah. did you come up with the format for how you run games because uh, there are a lot of channels that run you know dnd but very few that run them you know practically as an all-day thing you know people can expect nearly well not nearly but minimum roughly what 12 hours a day on the days that you guys are live right yeah yeah uh monday to thursday um nine hours uh live across 12 hours uh with breaks in between for food and stuff um or actually it's 12 and a half hours now i think because i hate myself um i <laughs> um i uh so, I mean, it's just a lot of trial and error. For how I set up the actual games, um, it was very much in that first period where I was just inviting people to come and play at all times. I tried all sorts of different things, all sorts of different numbers. I find the sweet spot to be four people. Um, five is okay and three is okay, but I think the sweet spot's four. Um, why do I run so many? Because it just gives me more opportunities to get more people in. I'm already gutted that next season it looks like I'm only going to be running three viewer games rather than four. Um, because I really genuinely enjoy getting new people in to come and have a go, you know? Yeah. Um, I suppose I could do the metrics and have a look at which shows and which times are more likely to be successful and earn more money, but, you know, there's something fun about just throwing it all together and seeing what comes out, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, and, uh, and, and, it, and it's been said time and again, spending too much time in the metrics ends up hurting a person because it... it no matter how well you do, there's always the thought you could do better. Mm -hmm. you know, some metrics are a dangerous thing to like live in. Something that you visit every so often, sure, but definitely yeah. don't 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 live in that. Don't live in that. And that's something as well that I, is a, a good point. I don't. I never look at viewer numbers and stuff while we're streaming. 
Um, I don't even really look at um, accounts unless my, unless my bank's home. Um, I tend to just do that once a month. And I post it all to the Discord as well, so everyone can do it with me and see how we're doing. Yep. Um, but um, as for the times that I stream, uh, that's very deliberate because uh, I aim for UK evening time, East Coast evening time, and then Pacific Coast evening time. Um, so I catch the widespread of the English-speaking TTRPG community. Um, Monday to Thursday. It used to be Monday to Friday, mm -hmm. uh, but then I realized I was dying and had no energy. So I decided to take Fridays to kind of do some admin. It's not that I don't do anything on Fridays. It's just that I, you know, schedule my tweets and try and do all the other things and arrange the games and make sure my artwork's on time and get articles for the Patreon and... And relax just slightly for like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not even the 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Saturdays and Sundays. I, I, I take Saturdays and Sundays as my day to like do nothing. Okay. But, you know, again, I, I, I do run this thing myself. I have a phone. If people message me, I'll probably message them back. Yeah. Like, seen a lot of that. Seen a lot of that. It's... It's one of those things we're disconnecting, you know, and I think it says something about just how much work goes into making something like this and making something that is successful and that people enjoy and come back and just keeping the momentum going, you know, because that's once you get a taste of people enjoying something you've made, you just want to keep going and keep making stuff that people enjoy. So it's it's. Yes, indeed. It's an angry, hungry bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing. It's a whole thing. And um, I, I, the thing I love about it as well is seeing the different styles of people. I've seen maybe two people come through and nearly copy my style of DMing and stuff, which is absolutely terrifying. Um, but like most people come through and they've got their own way of doing things and their own um you know that you can match them up to other people and like suddenly people make sense because you can put them with that person and together they can create something amazing yeah that's a really nice part of it as well how do you figure that out with people who are new dms so you don't really know what their style is and a lot of times they're still trying to figure that out for themselves too one shots one shots uh, if, if people come and dm on my channel the likelihood is they've already done two or three one shots at my academy weekends um and i what i do in them is i just grab a whole bunch of um i grab a whole bunch of experienced players of different styles and i just throw them all at a dm and see which one stick um, which i've recently found out is an actual saying about throwing spaghetti at wall right that's, yeah. that's an actual thing yeah, yeah i didn't know that until like literally yesterday no so, no that's that's been an old thing um not my preferred way to check if my spaghetti's done, but yeah, totally. You can throw it at the wall if it sticks, it's done. Yeah, no, I just eat it. That's that's my way of testing, you know. We were taught growing up to use a wooden spoon. So you would take a uh, a noodle out of the pot and you'd put it on the counter and you would try and cut it with a wooden spoon without putting any actual pressure on it. Yeah. See, no, Honestly, I just, I just... that's pastel dente. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> Right, that's the thing. I just, I just grab the end of a noodle, I stick it in my mouth, and if that's how I, if that's how I think it should be, it's going on the plate. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Tasting, taste your food, people. Taste it. 
<laughs> says me, who knows nothing about cooking, gave myself food poisoning three times and I just went away for a week. But oh, yeah, no. <laughs> That's true as well, and I locked myself out of the house. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know someone who, who really needs their other person to just... Your mind's always on other things. And you need someone to help pull it on track sometimes. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's just getting into tabletop roleplay gaming? And does it differ from someone who is looking to start streaming it? And if so, how? Well, um, this is this is something that I can definitely answer. I go to conventions and things. I speak to people. Um, I recommend people who want to get into tabletop RPGs, I recommend that they go and head on to streams like mine. So the answer is the same for both. Um, and my advice is just do it and don't analyze it. Like, get into a game and then do not think about that game. Don't even, like, because people, a lot of people who are like, oh, I want to get into, into TTRPGs, but I want to be good at it. They, like, come in and they try really hard and, like, then they go back and they're looking at the video footage and they're, like, going, oh, I was a little bit off there and all that sort of thing. All they're doing is judging their own nerves, I you know? I say, it's, it's, it's not a performance sport? Yes, exactly. Come in, have fun. If you really want to like go back and see how you can improve yourself, get three or four games under your belt first, then go back and have a look and be like, oh yeah, I do shut people down or something like that. But for your first couple of the games, just come and have fun. Yeah. Just come and have fun. You know. On this, <laughs> on the subject of people shutting people down, when you have a player that you notice does that, maybe they're not aware. How do you bring their awareness to that? You know, to kind of guide them, you know, in a gentle, definitely not, oh, hey, you're kind of a jerk and you're talking over people away, you know, because that doesn't work. Yeah, no, <laughs> as that's, someone that's who's, not... As someone who has tried that line on someone, hey, yeah, that's, that's... stop being a jerk and let me talk. Here we go. Oh, God. Prime yeah, example. Uh... All right. How would you tell me in this instance? <laughs> <laughs> um... I am British, and therefore I wait patiently. Um, but um, one of the things I do, uh, one of the things I do is uh, maybe before games, especially if we're doing a seasoned game, is um, it can't be helped with a brand new player. They're nervous. You can't hold it against them. Okay, uh, they're not analysing themselves at all in that time, which is why they want to analyse themselves so heavily afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the trick with that is to just have like you know players around them who understand and players around them who can kind of step on them back a little bit and yeah. then it really it's outside of the game that's the best place to fix that is to just be like hey okay so maybe we'll take a break or something like that if it's really bad or if it's not that bad if it's bearable we could do it between games and just be like okay so people are talking over each other a little bit um yeah never point them out never be like God damn it, Pixie, you're talking over me all the time. Like, never do that. Instead, just like, okay, so we've got a little bit of cross-talk. When two people talk, we can't hear them both. So uh, here's the procedure. If you start talking and someone else is talking, stop, let them talk, raise your hand, we'll go there, and just make it procedural. But nine times out of ten, it just works. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, it just it just works, so you don't need to. Yeah. No, I, I can say it's something... I know sometimes I'm really bad at it. I've seen it. I, 
Um, but I've also experienced it as a DM and as a player, and it's one of those things where it's like, I know how it feels. I have an idea how these other people are feeling. How do we guide this without anyone feeling like they're being called out? And then, you know, if someone's not getting it, you know, that's that's another thing is, does there become a point where you got to talk to a person one-on-one, you know, about that oh. kind of thing? So. Yeah, and like I say, nine times out of ten, it's not a problem at all. And then when you go through and say to everyone, look, we've got a problem with this. This is how we're going to handle it. Nine times out of ten, that solves that. So then we're now at 99 times out of 100, we solve the problem. But there's always going to be that one time. Yeah. And yeah, then then you do just have to kind of sit down with someone and be like, hey, look, so we've had a lot of problems in this game with this, you know. And that's the big thing about it is you've got to just, sometimes you've just got to man up and have the difficult conversations and be like, okay, look, there is a problem here, like, I'd like you to go back and have a look because you're you are doing it and you know it's it's affecting the way other people are playing it's affecting your relationships you might not even be able to see it but it is um and i'd like you to just reflect on it and maybe you know come back to the next episode with some renewed vigor and just be care be cautious of it and that can go either way you know i don't think i've had anyone rage quit on me yet but i'm we all live in perpetual fear of that right yeah um, <laughs> um usually people are understanding you know they want to have a good game generally people who are on the channel unless unless they're here for some sort of i don't know some sort of like pariahical this will be my career i am amazing you must worship me um which doesn't happen but if if it, if it did that'd be awful usually people are here because they want to have a good time you know yeah. they want to have fun and if there's something that's not adding to the fun they'll be keen to sort it out I generally believe that people have got, you know, good intentions, at least. Yeah. Um, really bright here now. I'm just realizing how. Like, ah. it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's not washing you out, so. Um, have you ever experienced the, well, but that's how my character is excuse? Or is that just, is that more of a thing that people throw out there that doesn't, maybe doesn't happen so much online? I know yeah. I haven't experienced. I know I haven't experienced it, so I'm wondering: is is it a myth online? I've seen it like in regular games. No, I've I've seen it. I've okay. seen it a couple of times. Um, generally, I don't really know how to handle that. I can explain to people that that's how my character will handle it. Isn't cool because we're not here about creating a story that's that's the thing the scratchers academy it's not about creating the stories it's not it's about creating role players um so uh, my priority is always my players uh chat i love you dearly you are really my priority i want my players to feel safe i want my players to be able to play i want my players to be able to express themselves and if there's someone that isn't doing that that's a problem for me. I, I, I need everyone to feel safe. And if someone's doing something which will put them at, and people will, they'll, they'll decide in their own heads that they need to pit themselves in a PVP situation where they are against everyone and they're probably going to die and they don't want to die, but that's what their character would do. And sometimes you just have to just kind of sit with them and go, yeah, but would they, you know, yeah. like if you were going to die, yeah. if, if your you best friend was going to do this, come on, let's think this through. Yeah, I I think I've experienced that kind of situation once, and it was across several different 
games that were IRL with a specific player repeatedly where they were always would ask about, oh, what race is your character? And then always their character had this racial bias against. And eventually it would always come down to fight. And like the one time that it didn't get diffused, it's like looking back, would this character have honestly taken on this other character that had do you take on the person that has a bugbear ferret and a sheet shield golem, or do you leave that person alone? <laughs> right. And, so. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I you know, I've, I've seen London. There are little people that will take on gangs of big men with no fear. It does happen, but realistically, is it good for them? No. You know, big up the, uh, big up the, um, the Millwall lion who stood up to a bunch of terrorists with knives. I mean, he got stabbed a ridiculous amount of times, but he did it. You know, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, context, I suppose. If it's a heroic moment, yeah, do it. But if it's not heroic and you're being a dick. Yeah, I, I don't think um <laughs> I don't think PvP comes under heroic. The only no. time it would fit that I could see is if maybe the character was a heel the entire time. Then it makes sense. It's like, oh, oh, you were actually okay. <laughs> You know, and that, that, that's its own emotional thing, you know, but it's not like, that's something where the party's get, someone in the party's gonna know something's up, you know, no, mm -hmm. nobody hides undercover that dang well. There's always a suspicion running, you know, at, oh, least, yeah, at least from what I've seen. I mean, even books, even like the poorest written books, when you have someone that's gonna turn on the rest of the party in a book. There's always hints there, and there's mm -hmm. usually another character picking up on that hint, just kind of sidelong looking, and everyone's sitting there. Well, you're just crazy. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. We had we had that in a one shot recently. Actually, Mackenzie ran a one shot for us, and um, my character. I, I decided to actually try playing with that charlatan feat because it's really powerful, and people don't really use it very often. So I, I created an accountant. It all the time. <laughs> I love but I spent it. I spent the whole game in that in my alternate thing, didn't come out of it. And there were definitely hints, you know. There were times when there was like, you know, roll the deception check and everyone sort of Why? What you, what, you, know? <laughs> what are you up to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? Like... Yeah. Um have you ever done a thing where you combine different backgrounds to make a new thing and been like, all right, this is a thing? Because um, no. I, I think that's something that could be done more because you get really interesting things when you do that. So when I'm creating characters, um, if it's a new system, I'm mostly learning the rules and just picking things that I think look cool and then I'll apply personality to it afterwards. In 5e, I will knock up a character in five minutes and then let my brain wander. Uh, I think, I don't know if uh, Rene one time was sitting in a Zoom call with me and I was creating this character. And uh, most of my 5e characters now have four or five multi-classes because that's fun. Um, I, I love building trash fires. And if, I, if I'm laughing, I'll carry on creating the character. But I don't really very often look back at things and, and pull things forward, you know? Um, Unless, like, I'm creating, like, a character's child or something, then I might. But, yeah, yeah no, I'm, 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 I'm a Shiggles character creator. Anything for Shiggles. 
I think one thing I've found, because I do play largely in 5e a lot, which someday that'll change, but right now it's just, it's what's easiest access, right? Um, right. They released the OGL, what, two or three years ago? Six months ago or something? It's everywhere now. I like having an excuse. If I have to dig into existing lore and be like, all right, I've got to do deep research on the internet. I need to go through some of my old books. I like finding excuses to combine existing classes and then putting together a reason why this character would have all this stuff that's in both these backgrounds at level one. What's going on with this person that this is happening? Um, and my favorite combination to date has been Noble Charlatan. Mm-hmm. Because you can mm-hmm. lean so heavily into the Shadow Masters with that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I usually build quite self-centered characters. Um, they're usually about something that I want to do or something that the character wants to do. Yeah. Well, and that's that's one thing. Seeing the number of people coming out and really exploring more about themselves through characters and the ability to be like... Maybe I wouldn't be comfortable expressing this out in the open, but I can express it as this character while I try and figure out, is, is this my shoe? Or is that is this not my shoe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, that. I guess that kind of goes back to the D&D is therapy thing. And yeah, it's, yeah. Strong tool yeah. and glad people are researching that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, what kind of things do you do to prepare yourself uh, both as a player and a character before a game Um, I know some people will do stuff like mood boards or playlists or just like uh, setting up a uh, an environment around them to what degree they can or dressing up in character what kind of things do you like to do Yes, all of them. Uh, when I'm creating a character, I'll create a mood board. I create a character whilst I'm creating. Uh, like, so I'll generally I'll do that thing where I like throw throw a character together. Then I'll generate a mood board so I know what they look like. Uh, I generally do them uh, for like a, an artist's reference mood board in case I ever want to get character art done, uh, which I tend not to, but you know, could happen. Um, then I'll go straight on and start building a playlist, and that playlist is how I get into character before every single every stream. And when I can, uh, when I can do a Kaz cosplay, I, I will do that as well. Like um, on Mondays, I play Scott Smith, and I usually put on Tartan and a big like gelée like sort of thing to give me the woodsy feel. How did I miss um, that one? Damn, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good. Uh, the smallest Sam running Pulp Cthulhu, and um, boy, has she got us questioning everything. Uh, next week's the penultimate episode, so. <laughs> I think that's I think that's where we're headed for this season since we are wrapping up for that is all right here's here's the big thing that's happening for all these things and that's always uh, in a way especially when you put out that it's the penultimate it, it builds up a bit of tension of oh how's this all wrap up what's this gonna look like you know it's mm. de- definitely something that generates buzz um how does that look when you're running a longer campaign? Because you have mentioned uh, Dunera is going to be one of your longer campaigns and Eden's one of your longer campaigns versus your ones that are definitely one season things. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, uh, Eden was originally planned to just be one season. Uh, we decided because of uh, how much fun it was that we'd run a second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alice definitely had an end in mind, and Return to Eden is a completely different plot line. It has things from the first one because, my God, has she instilled paranoia in those players. Um, it took us four episodes for them to trust an NPC. Uh, <laughs> seriously, like they were just so like, I can't trust anyone all the time. Um, like all their characters, it was a year on and all their characters had been through like a year of therapy at this point, <laughs> like trying to like get over what she'd done in the first season. Um, for Daenera, um, again, this is really, uh, Alice's masterwork. I believe she's got a big plot point that we're going to end on. Um and then carry on. But Daenerys is really a sandbox for the players to play in. Um, And I don't know how Alice does it, but she's very good at getting people to hit her plot points when she wants them to hit her plot points. As I mentioned earlier with her wonderful railroading. Um, She's not a railroaded character. She's very much a sandbox character, but when she wants to, she can, yeah. She knows how to gently guide towards the intended destination. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Masterfully. Might have to talk with her sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of roles doing nasty things to me as a GM, which ultimately I got to be thankful because would not have some of the stories I have to tell already. That's like, your party did what? You know, people are like, but you don't do that. It made sense to us. <laughs> you roll seven nat ones in a row, row in any oh. encounter, and if you have someone who leans into charisma and likes to persuade things, you're going to end up with things joining the party that aren't supposed to ever join a party. It just it happens. So um, <laughs> It's actually one of the stories behind uh, my emo, my beholder emo. Mm-hmm was originally just an emote and I had planned a beholder encounter in my game. The beholder was named Zaxis. Was supposed to be like one of the scariest things they come across. Do some bad things, right? I sit there and I nat roll nat one, seven rolls in a row. While the succubus in the party Nat 20s, charisma roll after charisma roll after charisma roll. Hugging this beholder convinces them to join the party. <laughs> was supposed to be a very, yeah. very bad person. It was Zaxis. <laughs> and just, nope. Um, I actually had to reach out to people like, okay, I cannot let them leave this cave system with this beholder. How do I convince them not to take this beholder? And it um, was another DM that pointed out when beholders sleep, if they dream, they make more beholders. Have your beholder mm-hmm. sleep. Like, ah, oh, yes. Yes. Okay. And so uh, <laughs> uh, they, they, they left an opening and I was like, all right, you guys are off dealing with this. This guy goes off and sleep. You guys come back. He's been sleeping. You find him. He's asleep. And there's two beholders over here duking it out. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not so good at the the planning thing with that. I, yeah, I, 
I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I would have done something cool, I'm sure. I'm, I'm thinking it's time to stop planning for me, because clearly it doesn't work. Which kind of is kind of rough, because there was an overarching story arc that I can't talk about, because people. <laughs> yes, can't, of course. Can't put it out. Someday. Someday. So. Yeah. <sighs> it was a lot of fun. Um... So within the tabletop community, what has your experience been? What's been good and what do you think could improve? I know you've done a lot, you know, with Academy to improve it, but on a whole, what do you think could be done to improve things if they, if, where, when they need improving? Yeah, I mean, really we're facing the same issues we've always faced, you know, gatekeeping needs to stop. People need to stop being dicks and let people come and play with them. Um, I think the Americans, uh, the American side of things, seem to have things a lot straighter than the than the UK does at the minute. Uh, recent recent meetings, uh, they announced maybe officially, maybe unofficially. I mean, they must have a big group of people that are going to start trying to put more D and D into Europe um, because at the moment um, there's a big difference. You know, we've got a strong following in the UK, but it's more like a marketplace than a social event. If that makes sense, like you go to gen con and those sort of conventions and people are there to socialize and play games to each other with each other go to the ukge the uk games expo it's more like walking around market stalls you know like um more of an more of an expo than a convention yeah yeah that's the thing we don't really the, the most social event i've been to in the uk so far was literally last weekend when i went to the bad moon cafe meetup where there were some panels run by satine and tj storm you know mark hume was there grant howitt and um and uh, some other people as well um uh, cognitive merch who are uk based and there's a whole bunch of faces there as well that you recognize from the community people from erp people like susanna grace people like charlie people from modiphius and that sort of thing they're all there um but um and that's the most social event i've been to because our conventions are a bit more like expos, you know, where I literally walked up to one store at the UKGE and I was like, oh, hi, my name's Scott. And they were just like the book's 20 quid. I was like, oh, I see you later. You know, like, wow. That's, that is a pretty huge contrast. I haven't been to any cons or expos myself. We're hoping to change that real soon. Um, we've actually yeah. got a goal. To, we've got a goal to get me to PAX West. Uh, because okay. my fiance is already in on that, given work he's cool. doing. Now it's time to get the other person in on it. Um, but otherwise, I've never been. I've mm -hmm. been like a huge nerd my entire life and never been able to actually make it out to a con, even though I grew up in Portland and lived in Portland for years and like uh, Rose City Comic Con and Wizards World. Are two blocks from where my mom works <laughs> you know so yeah. there's there's the frustration of it's right there i just can't go um yeah it'll change um, it'll change yeah <laughs> so. and that's that's the thing as well just making things more accessible as well because um you know there's a whole bunch there's that's one of the reasons the academy's main focus is on being inclusive and stuff because a lot of people sometimes feel like they can't like they're not welcome because of like i mentioned gatekeeping you know yeah people have an image of what a dnd person is if you speak to someone on the street about dnd they've got image of like essentially uh something that would resemble ogres sitting around the table you know rolling dice at each other and generally being disgusting to each other yeah yeah um, well and it doesn't help that that's been what's been in media for so long and the fact that it's finally starting to change like Thank you, Stranger Things, 
thank you, celebrity D, celebrity D, I can't even say it. The show that has the celebrities that play D and D. I think mm-hmm. it's. I, I just can't get it out the mouth because it's that one. That one. We know what I'm talking about. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Nope, not trying again. <laughs> um, but I think shows like that have done a lot to start changing that perception, you know. And it's with also with other things that are considered part of nerd culture that are becoming more mainstream, you mm-hmm. know, does a lot for it, you know. As great as like stuff like Critical Role is, that's breach initially is what within the gaming community because of the voice actors right Mm -hmm. you know stranger things has done great because it goes outside of that it breaks the bounds that a lot of stuff gets stuck in when it comes to that uh marvel and dc they've been breaking those bounds for years slowly but surely so yeah yeah and uh, I mean, we've got to be grateful to Protocol Rolling. I genuinely believe none of us would be here if it wasn't for them. Definitely, um, definitely paved a role between Critical Role and Acquisition Inc. and Journey Quest and um, Darkness Rising, for people who have seen it. Maybe not as much, but the fact that you could actually stuff putting stuff out that showed people you can create content around tabletop gaming and you can make more of it and you can share it and you can teach people and you can use this different way to teach people instead of being like here's all these books that you need Mm -hmm. now try to read them cover to cover but nobody does that but try (laughs) i I didn't get that memo i've I've never read the dungeon master's guide Uh, yeah i've I've got it and i've referenced it and i've used parts of it but read it page like just sat i've never had the thing where i've sat and go you know what i could do today i could read the dmg i could sit and read the dmg today you know i've i've been there where i'm like oh hell i need this yeah but that's that's yeah well people people do you know they take these things differently you know some people are very much we're going to sit here and we're going to read this thing cover to cover. But I think with stuff like the Dungeon Master's Guide, that is a rare, rare thing, you know? Um, yeah. Or like Monster Manual. I don't think I know anyone that sits and just reads through the Monster Manual, but definitely, hey, I'm looking for this kind of creature. Where do I find it? What's it do? You know, I want to well, do this is, kind of thing. This so. is where the, the glory of like modern technology is coming in as well, because... um. I use Roll20 a lot, I use D&D Beyond a lot, and um, just the wonders of being able to buy the books in digital format and just have them in the compendium, so it's like, oh, I need this. Yeah. Done. No? Yeah. Well, and I think I think that depends on the person and what mediums work well for them, too, you know? But having that, in, uh, let's, let's go to the accessibility end of it, you know? screen readers are very very friendly for computers and stuff having that stuff available on a computer is huge for accessibility Mm -hmm. whereas you can get a reader for books but they can only magnify so much and there's no way you can really reformat stuff in a way that works better for people who have impairments that affect their reading ability Mm -hmm. you know that's that's a huge huge one that's something that we would 
uh, tackling a little bit this season and last season, um, we had a few uh, blind players come along, and um, they it's it's roll twenty is not screen reader compatible. It's just not. Um, I don't know if D and D Beyond is or not, but quite often things that involve you clicking not screen reader compatible you know mm-hmm. um so we ended up writing out whole character sheets separately uh for uh these players just so they could read them and be involved it's it's a shame i think there's there's still steps to come in that area you know especially with the accessibility that we the work we've put into accessibility for regular people to play D, we could still do a lot more for people who are uh disabled you know it's there needs to be more work done yeah huh. thanks for that nugget by the way <laughs> I, I am definitely noting that because things I'll, I'll tell i'll talk later on that um cool. but yeah no that that is a huge thing and then like descriptors i know one of the big things i've seen out on Twitter that comes out every about three or four months from what I've seen since I've gotten into the TTRPG space there is formatting the books far as the art and just how everything is laid out in general in a way that is more friendly for disabilities and honestly that makes more sense for everyone because sometimes the way things are set up is not presented in the best way it looks gorgeous but you get information split that can confuse people, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Oh yeah, definitely. It confuses me, you know. Like if someone slaps a four-page comic in between two paragraphs, what? You know, <laughs> like, and it, it does happen sometimes, especially because people get very arty. And I think um, things like Kickstarters and that don't help. Um, as much as Kickstarter is amazing for funding these projects. Um, but quite often you have stretch goals like we'll put more art in, we'll put more comics in, we'll put more stuff which is not the rules in this rule book you know and it's it's kind of like yeah okay it's pretty but i think with that it might be more of an awareness that hey if we're gonna do these stretch goals for these other things if we want to do more art as a stretch goal that should be an art book separately if we want expanded things that don't have to do with the rule book they go in these other things you know and you kind of see that starting to happen a little bit. Um, I know Retroverse, what were some of their stretch goals? What was some of the stuff they had for higher tier things? You had an art book. You had this extra stuff without necessarily adding stuff to the rule book that didn't make sense adding. Maybe adding classes and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, you know. Breaking it down is such a huge thing. And sometimes I think it just doesn't occur to people to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. There's a long way to come. Yeah. We'll get there, though. We've got good minds behind it, people who are right-minded, if ignorant. You know, ignorance is an easy problem to solve, just educate. So we yeah. can get there. Yeah. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. I remember to it this time. We will be back shortly, everyone. <laughs> um, but I think it's a, it's definitely something I know for me I'd like to see on a lot more streams, regardless of the type of content going out, because 
just because a person's hard of hearing or visually impaired or whatnot does not mean they don't enjoy the same things and they should have the same access. And it's not that much work for us as content creators to make this stuff more accessible, you know. Um, maybe I, I can see where for shows that you run, it would be a lot because of constantly switching up the different, you know, like the caption links, you know, you'd, that'd be something you'd have to have for people whose computers can run everything that needs to be run and then caption on top of that, you would still need links and be updating that between every overlay, you know, because um, currently it expires after 48 hours unless you've got a vanity one, with only, which only a handful of people have access to the vanity URLs right now. Um, mm -hmm. That's something they are working on. Uh, they're talking about making it a Patreon thing and where, you know, there would be a Patreon tier where you would have access to vanity URLs that just, it wouldn't expire, which would be great, which would be great. But at the same time, I don't see that as something that would have be necessarily beneficial for people who more come on as players don't really stream and are on for, you know, a season. Is that, yeah. is that an investment that's really worth it for them? Or is that something that's more, that's a budget we would have to work in as people running yeah. shows that have guests, you know? That would be a, a cool thing to have is like something like um, a Zoom pickup. So it just picks up everything that's said through Zoom, you know? So yeah. you, just one person can caption everything. And um, it wouldn't be as customizable, but yeah. it'd make it easier for getting something on the screen, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, Zoom does have a captioning thing, but you have to have someone else there that's actually transcribing, and yeah. uh, that's 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 another that's more work, and that's another person that would definitely hey, that's hard work, and keeping track of that many conversations, yeah, 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 and no, I probably need at least two, and then yeah, no, no, no. we'll get there. there. Yep, yeah. no, no, the technology is coming and it's evolving. And someday it'll just like be exactly where we need it if we just push for it hard enough. We just make enough of a noise about it. Like, no, we want this. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing as well. People like Zoom. I've been working with Zoom a lot recently because um, I've been having issues with uh, crashes. Um, and they are so good at listening and actually speaking to their customers and figuring out what the problems are and trying to fix them. They genuinely are. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, it's not like people out there aren't li aren't listening. It's just time, as all things, time and money, time and investment, getting people to do the thing because people see it worth something, you know. It's... Yeah, well, and I think that's one of the big differences between Zoom and Discord. Discord, yeah, they listen, but their user base is so large and it's honestly, it was built for a different kind of thing. And they have stuff integrated for people who need different accessibility options. They've done what they can. Maybe they could do more. I, I feel they could do more. But at its base, what they released from the, from the get-go was, hey, you're doing pretty good to start. It, like yeah. I'd like to see more. I'd also like to see more stability with the video calls and better quality. I, I understand that's something you can get if you get Nitro, but... I got Zoom. I like Zoom. 
Yeah, I, 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 like I, I just find Discord's too bandwidth heavy, honestly. Yeah, um, that's that's my big thing. And especially when you've got people from different regions, you know, it's it's rough then. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, so we kind of loosely answered this earlier. And if you're listening on Anchor and you get to it, um, we're going to kind of go back over this because I was not actually live at the time. What is your favorite style of play out of the ones that people are aware of? Uh, easy, fit of the mind. Fit of the mind. I've played with figurines. I've played on grid style. I've played on, you know, uh, hex style and all of that. Fear of the mind, especially when I'm DMing, because it's subject to change at any time. Um, you know, I'll make things move around so that they work, which I think people do on Hex and Grid and all that sort of thing anyway. But the thing I like about Fear of the Mind is uh, you have to be descriptive. You have to be really descriptive of where everything is and how it looks. And um, it encourages your players to do the same. Whereas when you put, like, figures on a grid, as much as they're beautiful figures and all the rest of it. I find people are very much, very much become like, you know, battle commanders where they're suddenly like, ah, uh -huh. the first thing I know there, then I can do this, you know, and it's like playing chess all of a sudden. And that's, that's not what we want. You know, we, we're here to play a game sort of thing. So um, I'm big on giving players agency on how their uh, moves look. Um, for example, I, I hardly ever let people just say, I'm going to hit it with my sword. I, you know, ask them, okay, cool. How does that look? You know? Yeah. D and, you know, it doesn't, take, it doesn't take much encouragement either for people to be like, I lunge at the beast going for its legs, but um, defense roll. Oh, it's jumped in. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, and I think theater of the mind really helps encourage that as well because, you know, if I want people to be scared of a creature, I can't just put a great big dragon on the board because you know like you would with figures which would be scary you have to generate the same effect yeah. through narrative description well, and, and then... also yeah you can have more fun with like you know playing with shadows and things like the curse of strad book is very good for uh, telling people how to create horror and tension in their narrative style um yeah it's good well, and then it goes back right into accessibility you know, when, especially if you're streaming, and it's something I've seen time and again, when you have a map there, it is very easy to default to, I move my character here. Where is here, though? Mm -hmm. What What does, you know, you have an idea of what the area looks like. You have an idea of where the character's token started. But once you start moving them, and everyone's like, I move here. Oh, I move there you lose track of where stuff is and I feel like it kind of takes away from the immersiveness from someone who is maybe only able to listen you mm -hmm. know um oh yeah definitely definitely you know and that's where you know another thing knowing your audio your audio setup and having it to where you can hear what everyone's saying and environmental things aren't super loud you know you still want it there in a lot of cases, but you don't want it to overwhelm. And that's that can be tricky, I've found. Yeah. Yeah, that is the thing. It's, I mean, you know, our slogan, Let's Evoke Emotions, is sometimes we do. And sometimes that can be scary, you know? 
it's one of the reasons we won't play without safety systems and things like that because people get really really invested yes. really immersed and especially if it's your first time dealing with that can be hard you know yeah. there's emotions that you, maybe you don't understand or maybe you've not experienced before yeah well it, yeah it, it, one of the great things with roleplay is the ability to explore these scenarios you wouldn't that you may not have found yourself in before or maybe you found yourself in the scenario but you can find another way to navigate it and you can look through the lens of another person at the same time you know it's it's really strong it's really mm. strong in a lot of ways that people are only now starting to slowly really recognize openly you know maybe it's something some people recognized intrinsically from the get-go and it just wasn't ever discussed as or not discussed the way it is now you know the openness yeah. of the discussions is is big so yeah oh yeah definitely i mean like when we start up a session zero that one of the first things that i have to do with a group have to do is figure out what's not allowed on the table and even in their meetings people may want to open up about things like our channel lines are usually sexual abuse and sex you know mm -hmm. so um we won't touch on sexual abuse rape violence any of that sort of thing but um sex itself we just put behind a curtain you know so we don't have to describe it and we can have fun doing austin powers style you know description uh segues instead yeah but often in those times when we're talking about things that people are bringing up lines and veils uh, we make it very clear that people don't have to talk about it, but sometimes people find themselves opening up and just talking about it, you know, yeah. before we've even started playing. And that's a thing, you know, it's yeah. dealing with stuff. I think part of it could be this feeling that once a person says, hey, this is something I'm not comfortable with, a lot of people might get the feeling that they have to explain it away because so often you do have to explain it away or people look at you like, well, why is that an issue? You know? Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a habit to be like, this is an issue for me and here's why it's an issue. You know? Um, That's one of the things as well, like, um, that, let's say someone in one of these sessions zero is you're really training them, training, especially new people right then how to deal with things because um, that will happen. You know, someone will say, oh, I, I, I can't have glasses in a game. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be like, fair enough, no glasses. Uh, but someone else will be like, oh, why? And then straight away, I'll be like, well, okay, so this is the thing with lines. When someone gives us a line, that's off the table. We can't ask why. That's your business. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to uh, tell you or validate your lines and veils or anything like that. We're, this is a boundary that's been put on the table. And as a group, we're going to respect that. That question is literally not allowed. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. You know, and, and people usually understand that, you know. Yeah. I know for me, um, mine is a consistent one, and it's because it's something I'm still working through. And you know what it is, and a few other people are aware of it. And I talk about it openly, like in depth, about once a year, you know, because it's, it's my reality now, you know, so... um. And that's one of the things is it's great to see a move towards, 
hey, here's a thing that we can use to help people make this game, whatever we're playing, whether it's a horror game, whether it's suspense, whether it's supposed to be goofy, whether it's supposed to be high action, we can make it an environment that everybody enjoys when people know what people don't enjoy, what, you know, brings them to a place where maybe they snap out a character and they're reliving this other thing, you know, that's, it's powerful and it's great to see that coming out and being used more and, you know, just despite the rare pushback, you know, and I think that's the other thing. Um, Love social media, but a lot of times it can make voices that aren't that common seem bigger because we want to bring attention to these things, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, or like this person said this thing that's really not okay. We need to be aware of this and can, can we almost like a, a mindset of, can we help this person see it from another person's perspective? Can we change their mind and show them the value of this? You know? Yeah. As uh, one of the things as well, um, I, I know I've seen a couple of my mods around in chat earlier, if they're still here or not, but we have um, a document for our mods on how to handle things as well. People who come into chats, as you know, we encourage a safe space. We, you know, people have to behave a certain way to be part of the chat stream chat. Uh, but it's very much, a, there's a rule in there of you need to use your judgment. Do you think this person can be educated? Yeah. Are they talking from a place of ignorance? Are they just here to be spiteful? Yeah. You know? And, and that can be can... hard to read through chat too. So oh, it hard. can. It can, definitely. And um, I guess my moderators are quite lucky in that I'm usually pretty quick on it myself uh, because I'm a control freak. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. Um, but yeah, sometimes deciding whether people are just here to be... They're, they're honestly the best trolls are the people who can make it look like they're genuinely interested. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the scary ones. Those are the scary ones, the ones that come in and you know them well, or you think you know them well after like 5, 10, 15, maybe half an hour, maybe an hour, they've sat there, they've been really respectful and great, and then just, they blindside you. Mm -hmm. Those those are the hard ones, because it's like, why you gotta be like this? And on the flip side as well, some of the really, really good trolls, I've made mods in the past. Because they know where the line is so precisely that they are the best people to moderate other trolls. They'll just see through those. Like, um, I remember a guy, uh, he'll happily admit that he was a, a, um, a troll. His name was uh, Romania Hate. He was one of my first mods. And he just knew where the line was. He was genuinely funny. You know, he would say things that were funny without being offensive right up against the line, but not quite crossing it. And if anyone else came in and did something that was crossing that line or anything, he would know it before I did. Yeah. Probably the only mod that's been quicker at like sorting things out than, than I usually am. See, that's kind of why I have my fiance as a mod. Sometimes he crosses that line and I have to fan him again. And we have to have a talk about, <laughs> all right, you're generally good, but you ch- it's not that the mo- the line has moved. You, you, you crossed it. Here it is again. Here's your reminder. But it's it's kind of fun. It's kind of been fun because that has been a about every six months thing. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we push the boundaries, which I think is important because that can help us identify whether that has changed, you know, 
in a way, trolls kind of do a service for people whose boundaries can change sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's part of growing up and stuff is we all push boundaries, you know, and I'm not saying that trolling is great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Because, you know, most trolling is done with really bad intent. But like I say, the really, really good trolls who sit right on the line. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 they're the ones we like. <laughs> yeah. If you, well, ha- if you have to choose a favorite troll. <laughs> yeah. The, the ones that make you think. They're the ones that, I, the, that we like. The ones that just come in and spew hate. See you later. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the ones that just, they're, they're, they're just to be mean for no other reason. See, and I actually had a discussion a while back with someone who came in, who had came in as a troll, really kind of see, discovered where those lines were, you know how that's something that has evolved and changed over time and i can't say whether that's something that's changed within the with the ttrpg community um because i've only been playing for five years and far as online um i started up with my show and then ran that for almost a year before i started reaching outside of it to like oh hey i want to do these other things too what what how do we do this and just I can't even remember who it was I came across first. I think it was in another community I was in. And someone had retweeted something. And then I just started finding all the people, all the best people. (laughs) Yep. So once you find one person, it's so easy to find. And that's the other thing. It's I can't speak so much on Facebook. I don't spend time there. I love the Twitter community. Yeah. Because of how interconnected a good deal of it is you know it's... yeah i mean we find each other we use that hashtag dnd and there we all are yes you know? yes um hashtag dnd or hashtag dice porn's a good one mm-hmm. dice porn's a really great one because then you find the people that make the dice yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. no problem we're all gremlins really just like the shiny pretties. Oh, no, no. No, I'm not a gremlin. I'm a dragon. Oh, okay. Fair. <laughs> I, I'm still building that horde, but I am well aware that that, no. that 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 is quickly becoming my actual... If I have an addiction, that that's it. <laughs> All the dice. All the dice, ever. You want to make me happy, get me dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Alice just got some dice for her birthday uh, just last week. That's cool. Some of the Opalite ones. Overlight. Oh, Opalite. 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 I thought you said Opalite. Yeah, really pretty. Uh, Die Hard Dice, right? Uh, I think they were actually uh, Dwarven Forge, maybe? Could be Dwarven Forge. Um, I got my first handmade set the other, a, a few weeks ago. And I'm like, and then finding out that the maker's actually fairly local to me, it's like, all right. When I am not buying dice that a company makes, this is my go-to person because they're local and they're gorgeous and where are they? <laughs> they're here somewhere. Let's jump off. They're um, holographic and they've got stars and a little bit of like, like a holographic type of flake in them. It's not gold flake or silver, but like a holographic flake. It's just so good. So Beautiful. Good. Yeah, sounds yeah. amazing. So, yeah. more of them, please. 
Always, um, yeah. Yeah. Considered getting into it once upon a time myself, but hard to yeah. find good molds. Apparently the best thing is to make your own molds, and that's I don't I, I'm not that committed. <laughs> that's commitment. Yeah. So. I used to be a metal worker and I considered trying to make a set of dice, but I never got around to it. Ah. Um, yeah. I have a buddy who's a metal worker currently actually, and he made literally this big. Mm. It's a D6. He's working on a D20. It's like, what are we gonna roll that on, though? <laughs> yeah. That, that 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 is that is the table breaker. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, Drop it and run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or maybe maybe ooh, that could be fun for people who want to LARP and play their RPG at the same time at like a park. You can just throw those dice around and. I'm maybe find a way to somehow incorporate it into the game at the same time. Like, this is just part of how the society works. People don't do anything without rolling <laughs> dice first. <laughs> like the, uh, uh, is it a Big Bang Theory when they're, uh, when he decides to do a, a whole day just deciding thing with dice? Yeah. 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 Shall I have a hamburger? No. Aww. I really wanted a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be so cool though. <laughs> yeah. um so we did have a couple questions from chat um we did get one of kind of kind of similar one uh miniax miniatures asked earlier uh how is the best way to handle a disruptive player i.e rules lawyers and others oh um session zeros it get laid out from the start hi i'm scrap I don't read rules. It's nice that you do, but I don't care. Um, so be aware that there will be times when I'll break the rules and you know, you can, you can lobby for it, but there'll be times when I just say no. Um, and I apologize for that, but this is who I am. You know, like, this is how I like to run this thing. This is how this exactly. works. Right. In fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, I know for a fact, I've just had my, uh, new emotes approved Ooh. so should we do a little reveal yes sure wait i could probably do it too <gasps> is that a burning rule yes that is a burning rule book yes, yes. <laughs> that is awesome burn them all <laughs> yeah so um yeah that's that, that that pretty much sums up my my feeling on rules lawyering, you know. Yay! <laughs> I was that, wondering that, when you guys were getting more in because it's like, no, I know they've got more slots. Yeah, we've had more slots for a while. We've just had the commission, and we've, we've uh, bless our poor artist. She's been working her socks off for us. Um, and it's Tiki. That's so fitting. Right. Burn the box. And we've got an Alice one as well, because obviously Alice's campaigns cause a lot of concern. Yep. There you go. Michael Wayne's uh, showed a all for us. We've got an Ohio and some love in there as well. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. I love new emotes. Yeah. <laughs> I get excited. Um, uh, Darth Torlin asked earlier, do you have a favorite uh dice set in your collection um hmm 
No. That's purely because I haven't got a, a big enough collection yet. Um, I All of my dice are still plastics at the moment. I still have the same dice I started with way back. Um, and I like to mix and match them. I like using different dice because, you know, I'm a mathematician at heart, and I understand that if I keep using the same one, I will, even if it's only marginally, sway the options to always roll the same numbers. So the way I can make that more random is to use more dice. Uh, so, so that I is do. an actual thing. So so when I've sat there and I'm like, no, dice attunement is a thing. These dice like this character. That's a thing. I thought I was kind of kind of crazy with that. <laughs> no, it is a thing. It's, it could only be marginal. It could only be marginal. It could be something like, you know, a, a millionth of a difference, you know, just a fraction that makes it roll slightly better or slightly more towards six or something. But, but that can matter. <laughs> it could matter, yeah. When you could notice it. Oh. When you're facing that big bad at the eye at end of a campaign, that might actually matter because how many times do we roll in a campaign? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, too many, <laughs> probably. So. You know, and uh, so yeah, so I, I use lots and lots and lots of dice to try and keep it random. If I had like a set of metal dice or a set of stone dice or something like that, they would probably be my favorites. Um, especially if I could get some with like a machine certificate precision thing of like, you know, how accurate they are with an accuracy rating. Oh, that'd probably give me shivers because I'm an engineer and I love that sort of thing. But that I don't have to. So. How would you determine accuracy of dice? Are we talking accuracy of it being absolutely balanced or? And even at that, that's something I've heard is physically impossible to create is actual pure perfection and balance i mean you can get very very close you can just go to different degrees of accuracy i used to be a precision engineer so um one of my first jobs was putting pins in holes um with an exact clearance the uh the reason that this was a job and not just something that anyone could do is because the clearance between the pin and the hole was 0.3 to 0.9 micrometers so 30 to 90 nanometers um clearance all diametrical clearance something you cannot uh, see with the naked eye you can't even breathe through it we had to test the gap with nitrogen because air won't pass through that gap that's so it's pretty tight and i know a couple of techniques you could use to get the accuracy fairly accurate how much money you'd be willing to pump into it to do it is a question one, not to ask me because I'm clearly crazy and value things like this far too much, but, you know, yeah, there's ways. There's ways. There's some um, laser printers at the minute that they're working on, um, which can print, uh, I think they print something like a millimeter an hour, but they can create a, uh, a, a, a replica sports car, uh, which is uh, like, it looks perfect. It looks like a perfect sports car, but it's actually like less than a millimeter big. I used That's to work in that wow. <laughs> I used to work in that industry, so, uh, you know. I would not want to paint that many. That, that's... <laughs> no. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Darth Torlin also asked, what are the med major factors that got you to stream your RPG shows? <sighs> um, community. 
being able to play with people. Um, so like I said, when I first started, I played with people from the MMO. So I already knew about online communities because uh, of guilds. I was, a, you know, I was a guildie. I used to play MMOs. I was in a guild and the guildies looked after each other. Guildies are like family. And that's really what I wanted to recreate when I started streaming TTRPG. So my first stream was literally with guildies and that's why we decided to stream it. Cause we're like, well, we're online anyway, you know, let's get more guildies in. Let's show people what we're doing, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, that, that was the start of it. And then I decided to do more and more games just because I'm crazy. And, you know, I, I, I like to play more games. It's are, you, the... are you sure it's because you're crazy? I think it's just because you enjoy it and you're able to. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But, like, at one point I realized I had 30 hours in a week to cover all of my activities that were not work in D&D, including <laughs> sleep, including eating, including, you know... Well, that, that, that right there... Things. It's not the amount you need to actually get sleep in a week the way you should. So right off the bat, maybe yeah. maybe a problem. Maybe a, maybe. I a used problem. to sleep in my lunch breaks. That's what I used to do. I used to take a nap in my tea break and then sleep in my lunch break. And then, you know, I know exactly how much coffee I can fit in a day to not go over the 400 milligram recommendation. It's almost healthy. It sounds healthy, right? It's healthy. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not your doctor, so I'm not one to say. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of science to it. There is. There is. Um, can't say I know similar. Um, there was a point in time where I was streaming twice a day, six days a week. I was up at 5 a.m. and uh, off by 8 a.m., 9 p.m. at the latest. I'd run around, do whatever day stuff I needed to all day because stay-at-home mom. And then mm -hmm. after the kids were in bed, soon as they were quiet, I was live and on until two or three a.m. and six days a week. It's like, hi, I'm getting two two hours of sleep and I am just fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that's yeah. that's why. I like you know, this sounds. I recognize this person over there. <laughs> Yeah. This is a this is a interesting reflection. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, yeah, especially because I'm I'm usually the person who like likes to clean as well. So like um, a part of that thirty hours would go to cleaning. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a large amount of my time be between my daily streams. Was all right. We're gonna clean. We're gonna clean everything. Um, to a point where I realized I wasn't letting the kids have fun. <laughs> you put that toy away. I just got it out. <laughs> Oops. Okay, you can have that, but the rest of them. <laughs> so. Yeah. Definitely took some time. Um, uh, Michael Wayne asked, what are the best energy drinks that you have tried? Wow, that ties in well with what we were just talking It does. Talking. That segues nicely. Um... <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Uh, what I can tell you is don't drink zero-calorie energy drinks. Oh, God. Because the second law of thermodynamic states that you cannot not destroy or create energy. So if there's no calories in your energy drink, it means it's not giving you any energy. All it's actually doing is speeding up your metabolism so you feel more awake. Yeah. Um, and then crash and harder. And I'm not sponsored, so I won't be giving out any brands. But that is my scientific answer. <laughs> As someone who was a runner for a long time, 
Anything that says zero calories or zero carbs, I look at it and I'm like, well, I'm not touching you. Mm -hmm. Because you need some amount of each of those to drive actual energies from stuff. Yes, you can get energy from sugar, but it's not going to last the same way. You're going to crash so hard and without getting into the other health ends of it, it's just ineffective. Sugar is ineffective. <laughs> so. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Regulate your caffeine hits. Make sure you don't overgo the caffeine limit in the day. There's a lot of science behind it. You can look it up. Yep. Um, just be sensible with it. That's all. Um, I think for me, my go-tos, if I go for an actual energy drink, is I'm sucker. I'm a sucker for pineapple and coconut. I'm a sucker for pina colada. There is one company I know that does a pina colada energy drink, so that's what I get. Otherwise, coffee, and if not coffee, tea, and otherwise, fruits and veggies. And broccoli. So you say you're going to PAX West? Is that what you're? That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Jane, PAX you. We could have gone out for a drink. Really cool. Hey, I'm actually not huge on drinking, really. Um... Oh, I'm British. I really am. <laughs> my, my thing is, is a culture of it. <laughs> so you might have noticed a pattern with my characters it's it's, it's one consistent tie-in you bring up drinking my characters asking where's the meat i actually make meat i enjoy mm. meat it's it's the one alcohol that i will sit and drink for forever because it doesn't hit me the same way um I used to be big on the hard liquors, and they just, they don't do the same. Um, my other thing is rum. If I can get my hands on home-brewed rum, it's great. That's the nice thing about visiting the States, actually. You guys have got a lot nicer rum than we do. Whiskey. If you like whiskey, you should like come over whiskey. here. I like whiskey. Because you, like, <laughs> you guys have got, uh, your whiskey is ridiculously expensive, I suppose because of exports and stuff. But, like, wow, I was looking at some stuff that I think was quite cheap over here and going, are they really charging that? Wow. And, um, it, well, and most of what we have isn't whiskey it's bourbon yeah yeah definitely definitely and um but yeah no i was looking at your rum selections when i was staying in uh, florida last year and i was like hey hey this is cool this is new you know because we yeah. don't have so much of that yeah we've got captain morgan's it's all right it's all right <laughs> um it's good for eggnog it's good for eggnog so i'm a, I'm a sucker for vanilla i love a vanilla rum mm. But the recipes never last. I have no idea what the one was. So I do. We're setting out this year because there's a lot of stuff going on within the community that we don't agree with currently. But there's a pirate. Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a LARP. It's an immersion camping event. That happens monthly in the summertime here. So events. Um, and I got my hands on a great, a nice, a nice bottle of ho homemade rum there. And, nice. and now I'm ruined. <laughs> I can't do store-bought now because actual rum. I, 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 I understand Captain Jack Sparrow now <laughs> to mm -hmm. a degree with the attachment. So, um, but yeah. 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 
But yes, no. R- rum is, uh, not rum, but mead is definitely my big tie-in because it's like a lot of games sit in a period before we have the processes to make a lot of the alcohols we drink now. Mm-hmm. Mead would have been a lot more prevalent. Like, all right, we got to bring this in. We've got to raise awareness for this awesome drink that that you can actually easily make yourself <laughs> with some patience yeah, and about, you know, you can do a dry one in like two weeks. So, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, Darth Torlin asked, Darth, Darth likes asking questions. <laughs> um, thoughts or opinions um, on critical role and effects of today's society uh, with with people playing more RPGs. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt. Um, one of the things I market my myself is I'm like, yeah, sure. There's fifty thousand people out there watching Critical Role. A lot of them want to come and try and play themselves. I can do that. I can be the person that helps them come and get a, a game. Um, we this boom definitely started with with Critical Role, I think, and some of the other people that you mentioned as well. But Critical Role is the one that's really gone big. You know. And um, and then now we were all finding all these channels that we love and all these different like you know things. So a lot of people who like D and D maybe don't like Critical Role, but they can find other channels which have grown big because of them and find something they do like. You know, and yeah. can only be thankful. Yeah. You know, yeah. and plus um you know I, I I'm I'm looking forward to meeting them at some point. They raided my channel a while back, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, like. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. It was during the one with, for the artwork that you did for us, Pixie, um, when we were doing the Final Fantasy VII thing. What better place for uh, Critical Role to come and raid than a Final Fantasy VII-inspired Numenera hack? Yeah. And uh, bless Hans, because uh, Hans, our DM, was cool as a cucumber, just carried on. I was freaking out. Um, Alice and uh, Madame Gandalf and Avery, who were all in that game, they, uh, they <laughs> you know, they, they soldiered on. I was bugging out but yeah. it was awesome oh i saw that and i was like oh my god look at them keep their cool they're doing great i'm so proud of all of them because most people would absolutely flip their lid they'd be like i am it takes a lot because i know a lot of people look so much to up to you know mercer and everyone else there to not acknowledge them because you're in character and you're doing the thing it takes there's some discipline to that yeah it was i mean there's a i'm sure there's a clip somewhere of me as i just do because i usually have like chat over here on my second screen you just see me sort of yeah i saw that i saw that (laughs) i saw that yeah oh sam regal is this this a troll what's going on here (laughs) well because raids is it was great to see them do that because that's something people have been saying, hey, we've got a lot of smaller communities that are starting to do this. Can we see this with the larger communities? Can we start seeing this action in the tabletop Twitch community that we see in the rest of the of Twitch community with the sharing around the love with, hey, we're going to take you to this other adventure now, you know, is... Thank you, because I felt weird for a while, because I noticed it wasn't a common thing, you know. Mm. So seeing more is great. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's something that we try and do all the time as well. Spread the love, you know. Yeah. Because uh, we're just, we're just, we're, we understand. We're an entryway and we're a gateway drug. The Scrackers Academy is a gateway drug to TTRPGs, okay? You come in, <laughs> you have a taste, and then you want more. So I'm more than happy to show other people other channels where they can get games. Because the truth of it is, I've got so many new people coming through that I can't always get people who deserve games games. That's just the truth of it. Yeah. But I can highlight them to people like Greyhawk Channel or Tales from the Grim or Encounter Roleplay. I'm not quite at the position where I can start recommending them to Critical Role and Satine Phoenix, but like, you know, it's Yeah. That 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 takes time. But and and other places, I mean and that's the other thing. Once you found the bravery to reach out and say, hey, I want to play a game. Can I play a game on your channel? It becomes easier to reach out to other channels, you know, and say, hey, can I, do you have any games open? Can we play? You know, and yeah. yeah. Um, I know one of my big moves, which I'm slowly working on, I want to do soon, is is taking one of my things that I want to launch and making it a seasonal thing and being able to bring in more people with that. Cause it's like, you know, this could be cool. I've got, I've got my two regular ones, but what if I had one that we could rotate out? So that'll, we'll see where that goes when that happens. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, ooh, I missed, I missed who asked it. Uh, outside the books you have, what other things draws your inspirations for an event, place, person, or other things for your games? Oh, um, I draw things from everywhere. I don't even know where I draw things from half the time. I just select things. Um, I am a big fan of um, The Wheel of Time. I've, I know I've used that in past campaigns. Uh, one of the campaigns that went big originally, Wizards and Wardrobes, uh, there was a lot of... Um, Wheel of Time influence in there. Uh, Quantum Leap, I used to watch that as a kid. That affected my Ryotama game. Uh, Riders on the Storm is really me just going nuts. Uh, I don't I don't think I've drawn much inspiration from things on that. Um, I've heard people uh, compare it to things like Lucifer and things like that, but I've never seen that. So, um, Yes, I used to watch like some John Wayne and stuff like that, but really, I'm just I'm just relying on the players in that one. I just uh, let them go, and that's really something I do a lot. Actually, that is where a lot of my inspiration comes from. The players, I'm very happy to sit at a table with absolutely nothing, look at four people, and say, "Okay, where's our adventure going to be today?" <laughs> and and just let them come up with the ideas. A hundred percent. I like to take that energy and include it and work it into a narrative. I think it maybe makes people feel more part of something, and it means it's less work for me, which is nice. Yeah, on, on, on the on the occasion when it can happen, yeah, that is a that is a pretty big thing. Um, yeah, I think so. Unless anyone else has any other questions, feel free to go ahead and post them. We're going to go ahead and take one more quick break and be back real shortly. And we're back, guys. Uh, yeah. So uh, we took a quick break. We had a couple more questions roll in, so we're going to go over those real quick. Uh, TVM asks, what are the kind of games you like to play instead of being a GM? Um, good question. Um, I like doing the unexpected. I like doing things a bit different. 
Um, so don't get me wrong, I love playing 5e, but if I play 5e, I will make something, I will make an abomination. Um, I really like it. Like, um, I liked doing the play, enjoyed playing Ryutama for the first time because I never played it before and it was exciting to learn it. I'm not a person, I think we've established, I'm not a person to learn rules before we start playing. So I always learn playing and, um, things like that are cool. And, uh, we did a red wall one shot recently where someone took a system and modified it to be red wall. That was really cool. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I like. I like the surprise. I like playing something that I've never played before and I get to learn, but that comes with the condition of it being also good. Cause you know, sometimes you can play a game and it's just, it has FACO. And then you're, <laughs> it just has FACO. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I can say uh, from a player standpoint, as someone who desperately wanted to get into D and D in 2000, I am glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't because it would have, ruined me ruined it because i look at thaco and i understand what it is it is algebra mm -hmm. algebra and me we, we i see we meet again mortal enemy <laughs> you know yeah so and that's the thing. i'm good at algebra i like algebra algebra used to do at work and stuff all the time but like in a game <laughs> like, that's one of the reasons i like um, virtual dice does all the maths for me. I don't have to do any arithmetic. Yeah. Like, for people who enjoy math, yes, I get it. It's fun. For people who... Math is one of those things where you either really enjoy it or you hate it. You know? And even if you're someone who really enjoys it, maybe you don't want it in every aspect of your life. You know? So. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the unexpected. That's my answer. The unexpected. I like playing in things that are unexpected. Yep, definitely. And I mean, I've had it explained time and again. I don't think I will ever understand it unless I play it. And I, I'll, I'll say right now, I refuse it. I refuse it on the basis that I may never pick up, and then I will sit there not having fun because I'm doing something that I've hated as long as I can remember, which is math. And not just math, math, but algebra, math, which is funny. You know, I wanted to be an astronaut. This was never going to work out. <laughs> what are your dreams and dreams? Yep. Mackenzie yeah. um, Lane asks, what has been your favorite unexpected or completely improvisational moment in a game as either a player or a GM? Good question. Oh. It is a good question. My issue is nearly all of my moments are completely improvisational because I don't really plan much. Um, God, epic moments. Diving out of the spaceship in Argo 37 as Blister without a spacesuit. That hurt me when you did that. <laughs> I can see I sat there and I said, what is he doing? Yeah, what is Blister um, doing? I'm, I know Blister is smarter than this. What is he doing? He was panicking, you know. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, God, they... Improvisational moments. Uh, a lot of the stuff... I, I'm not going to reveal to Mackenzie yet the things which were in her campaign, which were uh, total improv. My, my, my style is to just throw out plot hooks all the time. 
Mm-hmm. I'd never think of resolutions. That's for the players. <laughs> I just throw out plot hooks and see which ones they take and follow them. Um, so, yeah, following some of those things has been really cool. Seeing what they latch onto and what they theorize. And just kind of leaning into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'll go wherever the players want to go, you know? I, I can I can build drama out of nothing. I mean, hell, in our um, in our like um, <laughs> in our masks game where we're playing teen superheroes, I literally was building tension out of like um, out of uh, like text message alerts. I was like, you know, you send the message, it goes gray, one tick. Damn, it hasn't been received. You know, <laughs> like you can build tension out of nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh. See, I know. I want to see. I want to see a Sailor Moon game. However, having seen the Sailor Moon system forever ago, I'm not sure I would want to play that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that covers that. Yeah. But that would be cool. I would, I, I'd love to see just like a straight up magical girls game, whether they're all girls or not. The world needs more. <laughs> Yeah, just, just, just my little fan bit there. <laughs> definitely. That's a She-Ra game as well. She-Ra RPG. That'd be cool. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Wheels are turning. We'll talk about wheels later. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so I think that really covers our questions for this week. So yeah. Thank you so much for being on my show. It's been really great having you. It's been a lot of fun. Um, So um, I think we're going to go ahead and do the closing stuff now. So uh, if you guys would like to keep up with Scraticus and things going on at the Scraticus Academy, you can find them on Twitter at twitter.com slash Scraticus underscore as well as on twitch.tv slash Scraticus, and you can support them on Patreon at patreon.com slash Scraticus. You can find my show here, RPG Unlimited, on Twitch every other Friday at 9 p.m. Pacific time, and then over on Anchor on Tuesdays at about 2 p.m., um, as well as on YouTube and other platforms where it pops up. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. We will catch you all next week.